Yes, what is cracking, y'all? Welcome to The Chosen Ones. I'm your host, Joseph Richard Powell. I will be interviewing incredible human beings who are making an impact, living a life they love, and are hella good at what they do. From base camp to the peak of success, we are closing the gap between life barely lived to life on fire. Let's go. Hello, folks. We are back with a brand new episode of The Chosen Ones. Today, I am interviewing Ferenc Elikesh. I hope I pronounced that correctly, from Hungary. Another incredible human being who has broken free from the matrix, reclaimed his freedom, and is living his dream life. We are going to learn exactly how he did it to encourage, empower, and enable All of you amazing listeners who know deep, deep down that it is time for you also to take the leap. Otherwise, why would you be here? Am I right? Let's get into it. Ferenc, how you doing, my man? Very good. Thank you. Thank you for for having me on your show. Hey, I I don't know what happened. I've been promoting this. Uh, I picked this podcast up a little while ago. Uh, it was on. It was very successful last year for about a year, and then of course, I've my whole life has shifted, and I've moved c- countries, and the pandemic, and all of these things. I've just picked it up last uh, last week. I've I'm in the process. I don't know. I must have three or four hundred people that I'm talking to, all interesting people who uh, whose stories are just incredible. But just trying to learn about them, and it's such a time consuming process. But uh, from the very first message, I think the you know we talked for about two minutes, and uh, right away when you told me what you're up to, I said this is for the theme of what I'm trying to accomplish with this podcast. This guy is the real deal, and I'm very grateful to have you on. I'm very grateful to help to share your message with the incredible things that you are doing to as I mentioned in the introduction, to enable other people who are wanting to create their dream life. And, you know, I know when you say dream life, it's this fluffy idea to some people, but essentially just living a life that you truly enjoy, which which I think is so important uh, in this day and age. So to get started. Well, wow, wow, out, of, out of 300 people, I, I, get, to, I get to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, and I'm going to get a lot of these people on the podcast. I have you know, I, I'm I'm sure. all or nothing yeah. kind of guy. I have a very extreme personality. So when I've set my mind to something, I'm going to do it. But yeah, you're. I've recorded, I think, uh, two other ones before you, and then all of a sudden it was like boom. I was like, oh wow, there. You know, there's some people doing some real incredible things here. So before I jump into, I'm very excited to talk about the 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 meat and potatoes of the episode. But I want to ask you a question that I ask every guest. And I'm just looking on the Zoom and I apologize here because I can see I have some sunscreen still from my surfing yesterday. <laughs> I didn't notice. I didn't look in the mirror yeah, before right, we started. Yeah. But yeah, I'm like... I, I didn't see that. <laughs> okay. Um, I didn't see it. So before we get started, there's a question I love to ask every uh, guest because I, I feel that everyone has their own definition of things like success. And another one is the idea of what dream life means. So what does living your dream life mean to you personally, that, that topic or idea? Um, it, it, it could sound like a cliche, but uh, one of the major aspects of, of, of a dream life for me is freedom. And that can be, uh, obviously, that can be looked at from many, many angles, but like a debt-free life today, I think it's very 
precious. It's very valuable. I think if somebody can be free of debt today, especially somebody who went to school for a long time or somebody's got a mortgage or used to have a mortgage like myself, I used to have a mortgage, uh, used to have huge debts and having paid all those off makes me actually able to to do what I'm doing today and also plan ahead and not having to worry about, for example, if I take off take time off of work and that could be off um, of my own business uh, as well. Uh, it doesn't worry me. I can I can live on my savings, which uh, some people would think it's a lot of money. Some people would think it's very little money. So I think it's somewhere in between. Uh, definitely not. I'm not rich. I'm just not worried about the next six months or next maybe even a year at all. I can do what I want, and that's that's an absolute dream for me that came true for sure. Amazing. Freedom is definitely the key word that I hear in that in some form or another, we usually kind of get to some sort of freedom. I totally agree. It's the same for myself as well. Um, my, the second question I'd like to ask. Sorry, just to elaborate on that a little bit. And also, I think it's nothing to do with me personally and what I achieved or not. I guess I'm just lucky to be born in Europe. That gives me a passport to travel freely around, around the world because you can then, and also I had the opportunities to then work all around Europe and then, uh, you know, learn what I learned, work where I worked. But a lot of people don't have these kind of opportunities. Uh, and that's also another kind of freedom that just comes with just pure luck, I think. Yeah. Just where you're born. Where you're born. The uh, Absolutely. Um, and that's a great message. I mean, a lot of my listenership is in Canada and the States just being a once upon a time from there of taking advantage of such an incredible opportunity of, you know, being in a position where the, whatever the word is you want to use, that you have these opportunities that many don't to be taking advantage of that and travel Canada. You know, our passport is very similar that you can freely travel to most places, um, luckily. And why not? You know, some people, there's wrong. a lot of people in the world who would die to travel to some places that I've talked to since here in Costa Rica, but for the craziest reasons aren't able to, whether it's the religion that the country is that they come from or whatever the political view is for some reason or another. Um, so that is, yeah, definitely a, a great point. Uh, the next question I like to ask about this is, why do you think so many people are hesitant to take the leap to create their dream life? Uh, I think it's uh, at least two ways uh, you can think about this. Is One of them is expectations. You're expected to, to study as long as you want or start a, a career in maybe not studying, but like learn your profession in, at work and then carry on and follow up with a, with a successful career, make as much money as you can and then buy a house somewhere nice, uh, have a kid, have a family. Um, and I think that's expectations people want to meet. And that, that can come from family or friends or just peer pressure or whatever. Uh, just there is a kind of expected lifestyle that people want to live. You know, just the usual, get a car loan, get a mortgage, get a nice house, uh, buy the latest phones and gadgets and um, spend your credit card and all that kind of stuff. And people get into a trap, even like, even somebody who realizes that's that's a kind of a, and again, that's a cliche, that's a kind of a trap. Uh, and then it's hard to get out of. Uh, it's hard to plan ahead something 
big or your dream life when you have debts to pay off. And I think that's a, that's a big factor, debt in general. And now I already jumped onto the second point, so expectations and then debt. Um, and then if somebody gets to a certain age uh, where it's not even a question of money or career anymore, but then you expect it to have a family, kids and wife and all that, which is totally fine and absolutely fine. But I don't think a dream life is something that is that, that cannot be had with 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 kids or or a family. You can still have a dream life with, uh, and obviously we will talk about what I'm doing now and what I'm planning to do in the next twelve to twenty four months. But uh, even what I'm doing, which is a kind of life on the road, can still be done with families and kids can be homeschooled and uh, or or. Well, this kind of lifestyle can be lived on the road with, with, with the kids not going to kindergarten or something. And then, but as I mentioned, we're probably going to get into the details later, but it's, it's an expectation. I think that's a big part of it. Absolutely. The, it's incredible how, you know, freedom I find is just this way of life that we're assumed to live that essentially is what we're trying to break free from. You know, that's kind of like, in yeah. the sense the matrix is like go to get a job go to school have a family if these are things that someone truly wants to do that's amazing but in a lot of exactly that's a that's my next point somebody's dream life is exactly what i just said i want to get away from yeah uh, but if if that's somebody's dream that's fine i think that's easily well it's it's easier to be achieved because that's the sort of norm that's the expectation that's the that's what most people do uh living a, a totally different lifestyle than that is the more difficult one i reckon a lot more resistance when you're <laughs> you know you're a 28 yeah. year yes, old exactly. yeah especially you know some of the women that i that i'm around in my life or that i coach you know when you get to to an age where they have no interest in having a family but the pressure is just uh, it, it's unreal depending you know on, on all these they, they they being asked why exactly like, um, you know, like, why do you have to explain if you don't want one? 100%. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's, uh, we're really battling this framework that's kind of been put there where if that's what you want, fantastic. But it, by no means is it, should it be an expectation? It should be really getting clear on asking yourself, what, you, you know, what do that. I want? And I think we really, we fell away from some of the things that I've done in coaching, which is kind of like when you hit this halfway point in your life when people are maybe lost or stuck or unfulfilled and asking them, you know, going through a process, but essentially what I'm doing is asking them, you know, what do you want? And I've had clients, they'll break down. I've said this many times, but they'll break down and start crying because they've realized for the first time in 30, 40 years, they're actually asking themselves what they want because their whole life, it was what their parents wanted them to do in school or what society expected of them or their teachers. And it's like, it's really mind blowing. how That's right you know, we, we try to do so much for other people, but it's like, you know, when we misalign ourselves, we run into a lot of resistance in life sometimes. So I think, yeah, your answers are spot on. Let's get into the goods here. So when we first started speaking, the, one of the main reasons why there's a couple of reasons why I was really excited to have you on, uh, the most important being was that you told me that, uh, you're about to go on a very interesting adventure with your girlfriend um, can you tell us a little bit about this and what this is going to look like? Sure. Um, so what we, what we're doing now and what we're doing generally, it's called overlanding, which means we do 
vehicle-dependent travel, basically. That means we get to remote places, usually with a 4 by 4 vehicle. Uh, and that, the reason is because we get to really far away places where it's hard to get or terrain is difficult or it's uh, in undeveloped countries where the roads are not that good. And uh, most of the places can be reached with a normal car. But that last 5 to 10% part of the road is the most beautiful one. And we want to see that as well. And then we want to be able to get back from there. So we need a 4 by 4 vehicle. That's In general, that's overlanding. And that's what we do. Oh, and, I've never uh, heard of that term. Interesting. Well, yeah, that's overlanding, apparently. Uh, well, there's a lot of debates and there's a lot of uh, geeky conversations about that. Uh, some people are very... Uh, uh, how to say very uh, strong uh, feel very strong about the definitions and and what it means and what it doesn't mean uh it doesn't really matter as with we, as with we all travel with a four by four <laughs> hobby yeah, and... yeah yeah absolutely and if you say something different oh it means this and it means that as well then you get into a really heated argument with some people you can do at least uh but at least this is what we do we travel with a four by four vehicle uh it's uh we used to travel with a I don't know if you've seen them around. Uh, they're definitely around in the US and Canada and um, in, in many parts of Europe as well. Uh, four by four trucks with uh, a tent on the roof. So a rooftop tent, which is like opens like a book and it's like you, you have like a little tree house on, your, on the top of your uh, vehicle. And it's really, it's good fun. There's a lot of reasons I'm not going to go into the geeky stuff here about this, why a rooftop tent is much better than a ground tent. But this is what people started to use for this travel style. It's like, because you get to places where you don't know if there is uh, snakes around or there's uh, wildlife around, you want to just not uh, meet, obviously, especially when you sleep. So that's why rooftop tents got to be popular. And also it's very easy to level the car and then have a nice platform to sleep on rather than find a find a soft spot on the, on the ground where there could be no, you know, soft place to put your tent on, whereas your vehicle is always there. I have. Anyway, that's how we used to travel. I have yeah, I have thought about, or I have seen them, I should say, but I've never actually really thought about them. And I think it's, it's an absolutely incredible idea. Um, and just the, the most important thing of when I think of traveling, for example, I just went around Costa Rica on my motorbike. But it, the, the big pain in the butt, I think, with that type of travel is sleeping accommodations and also the most expensive so if you can really set up a, you know, right. not just oh, you save a lot of money like yeah, this. for sure, yeah. and and also like not just a sleeping spot, but if you can do it in a comfortable way, in a safe way, like that's really the biggest hack of the whole yeah. thing. Now, yeah, we took it, we took this to another level, or or we changed the not not on another level. That's probably not the right term, but we changed the, this a little bit, and we 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 actually bought a van, which is a four by four van. It's a European made Iveco, uh, and. It's got all the bells and whistles that a 4x4 vehicle needs to have so it can get to really tough places. But the difference here is that once we stop, our camp is done. It's ready. It's finished. It's like we, we our house is there. We don't need to open a, a tent. We don't need to set it up. We don't need to get the tables out. Nothing like that. We just stop with the van and it's there. Our house is there. So what we're doing now is actually it's happening in a week. Uh, we're shipping our truck from Europe, from Hamburg, Germany, to Halifax, Canada. And then 10 days later, we're flying over from Budapest to Canada. And we're going to start uh, about an 18-month-long trip driving from Halifax 
across to Alaska to Prudhoe Bay, which is the northernmost point where you can drive on the American continent, as far as I know. And then we turn around there, and that's when the real trip starts. Having driven across Canada by that time, uh, we, we turn around in Prudhoe Bay, and we're going to start our drive down to Ushuaia in Argentina, which is the southernmost town in the world. Wow. And then, obviously, we're going to go across Costa Rica. I'm, I'm really looking forward to Central America, actually. Uh, but I, I couldn't even highlight a part that I'm, that I'm looking forward to because the whole trip, I think, is going to be amazing. There will be certain parts where we will focus more than, than the others. Like, for example, unfortunately, Canada and the U.S., we're not going to really discover. And reason being is that it's just so easy to get back there and travel again and even just to rent or buy something compared to Central or South America that we just know we're going to be in the U.S. again at some point or in Canada. So we will spend a few months there, but we're not going to, our focus will be Central and South America. And all the way living in our van and then being self-sufficient, which means we buy our food locally we make our own food. We love trying local food, so food stalls and street food, and and we will do all that. But so we, what we actually not going to do is not we're not going to do fancy restaurants or hotels or anything like that. Occasional hostels and guest houses and and stuff like that. Yes, mainly we will sleep and live in our van, buying food locally, making our own food, and actually we have a solar panel on the roof, so we will be totally self sufficient. You, as long as we have water. And we have our, we're going to have a little fridge as well. So as long as we have some food in our fridge or in our, like in our cupboards, we have drinking water, we are self-sufficient, we have electricity and everything else. And I think you mentioned, and this is a, how long of a journey is this going to be roughly? Uh, it's about 18 months. I think it's going to be somewhere between 12 and 18 months. Wow. That's incredible. But then we carry on. So this is our next stage of travel. We've, we've done big trips like uh, driving from Europe to Singapore before, or uh, I've driven from uh, London to Mongolia. That's a long story, but uh, I've done that as well. Or we've driven from from Budapest to to the Gambia in Northwest Africa through the Sahara Desert, wow. living in our rooftop tent. So we, we're trying to do as much of this as possible, making it pretty much not quite full-time because we still have our base in Budapest and in London. And I can talk about why we have two bases because my part of my business is in London. Part of it is just location independent. Uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, we love this kind of, you have a home, but not really mm-hmm. kind of I, uh, lifestyle. Once upon a time, not planned. Well, not nearly as planned out. Uh, I went to Australia with a good buddy of mine for a year. I was, how can I ask how old are you? I'm 41. 41. Okay. So I was curious because I think when I was, it must've been about 10 years ago now when I was, I was probably 25 at the time I did Australia. So I, I wonder if I'm going to be talking to this guy and it's like one of those, you know, trips that you just do on a whim after college or something for a year, or if this is like the vetted yeah, yeah. lifestyle. So that's cool to hear. But like the backpacking thing, like exactly which, from which, hostel to hostel. Yeah. I've done that. I've done that yeah. too. Yeah. So we did it in a van. We we landed in Australia. We had no we have no plans whatsoever. Landed in Australia. I just had five grand cash, and uh, 
we had we were iron workers at the time just had no plan we landed in sydney i remember the guy in the airport was like who are you and like where are you going and what are you doing and i was like i don't know i didn't book a hostel uh i got five grand cash in my pocket this guy's just thinking like what is this guy up to and i think within 10 days of sydney because i didn't realize how expensive it was there i spent like half my money and uh me and my (laughs) me and my buddy were like hey we got to get we got to get the hell out of here if we're gonna survive this trip on our money so we were walking down the street and we found this used car dealership and there was this yellow van like an old school toyota like uh kind of hippie style van looked like it'd been sitting there for years and long story short after some hilarious negotiations we ended up buying this thing and we drove the whole thing around australia like putting along all the way up like i ended up flying from cairns through airs rock through the middle but my buddy drove it all the way around uh the north and we would sleep in the back we had a foam mattress and we would just put a surfboard down the middle between us and i remember like you know, we were, we'd be partying those, those nights. And if someone fell asleep first, the other guy would always be like shoving the surfboard over to get a bit more space on his half of the bed. Like just a complete mockery of, of the way that you're yeah, perf- you know, actually supposed to live this life. But uh, so when you're talking about like, you know, the legitimate sleep setups and the, you know, doing it right, like thinking now, like what an incredible adventure that would be. There's two questions I have to ask, which I know the listeners are going to be probably asking themselves. Um, If you wanted to get to, essentially, you're buying a small home in a lot of ways with this type of vehicle. So I assume it's not necessarily a cheap expense, but what would someone who might be thinking, what an incredible idea, like, what can you pick up something like this that might be reliable? Like, how much would something like that cost? And also, what would you say maybe as a rough estimate for a budget? to say if you wanted to live this lifestyle for a year, if you're going to try to do it cheap and cook for yourself and, and that type of stuff. Sure. Well, first of all, buying all this stuff, uh, your equipment, your vehicle and everything may sound expensive or there's a there's obviously a lot of expenses up front. So you, you buy the vehicle, you insure it, you have to ship it if you're not starting on the continent when you bought it. Uh, there's... And then you you find out you need new tires and all that kind of stuff. Uh, however, and I will get into the, the, the specifics soon. But however, once you tr- start to travel, it gets a lot more. It's it gets just cheaper than than a lot of other travel styles because you don't spend on accommodation. You don't need to go out and get food. Uh, you don't depend on a public transport. You don't depend on the long expensive train or or bus journeys like in south america, i traveled around in south america using buses and it was incredibly expensive expensive in brazil and in argentina i remember um so to sum up basically you buy all the stuff it's expensive and then you save money on the road especially if you plan to use this plan to do this travel style uh for years so our particular truck is about thirty-five thousand euros, so which is like I don't know three hundred thousand dollars. I don't know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but about 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 forty thousand US dollars, roughly. Uh, and then I have some because I'm uh, I got into this years and years ago, so I'm I really like the good gear, the the stuff that I will use for years. And I I got into off roading. Now you don't need to necessarily go off-roading if you want to live in a van or you want to travel by using your own car and stuff. 
So I'm just a kind of a geek who wants to have the proper shackles and the the tow ropes and the winch and all that kind of stuff. That's expensive. So we picked up this van for for 35,000 euros, but you can pick up a van for 10,000. And that means 10,000, 10 to 15,000 US dollars. Maybe you're not going to get through the sand dunes that I'm going to get through, but you can you can go around that sand dune. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, or you, you start at like necessarily... three thousand, like we did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you just or uh, and this because this question comes up quite often. How do you start overlanding? And then I always keep saying, start with your daily driver. Just start using your car that you drive to work every day. Do weekend trips. Do a couple of weeks. Get away. And sleep in your car, get a rooftop tent, any kind of car, on top of any kind of car, you can put a rooftop tent or get a ground tent. Like you, you, you went camping when you were a kid, use that tent. You don't mm-hmm. actually have to spend anything to start doing this kind of travel. Are there rooftop tents that you can just put on any vehicle? Like you can buy them like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. You can just buy. Yeah. It, it tends to be more expensive than a ground tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts around a thousand dollars, but you can pick okay. up a used one. You yeah. can pick up a used one uh, for probably five hundred on Craigslist or somewhere. Wow! Every car should just have that. I I think so. Uh, a lot of people don't like it. It 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 actually can it, it can be quite heavy for a car. Mm-hmm. It's on the on the top, and it's not ideal that it's on the top because it you know the car can get out unstable. That is not quite true for big off roading cars or trucks. So there is a lot of variables. But what I'm saying is if you have 10 grand, you can get all the gear you want and just start with basic stuff and use your daily driver. Once you travel, and that again depends on how fast you travel because the biggest expense is going to be your fuel costs. And if you don't drive for a week, obviously you're not going to spend anything on fuel. Uh, And then you buy local food, you make your own food and you don't pay for accommodation. So it can be really, really cheap if you uh, only think about time. If you think about distance, obviously, then the fuel comes into play. And that, again, if you travel around Europe, the fuel prices are astronomical, especially now. Now we are in, what, March 2022. It's it's absolutely crazy uh, in Europe. Uh, I know it's much better. It's much better in North America, but if you go to Central Asia, it's even cheaper there. If you go to Iran, where, we, where I've been to Iran, you can fill up the whole tank for about ten dollars or five dollars or something like that. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So a lot depends on where you go and what are your needs and expectations. If you're happy with just a basic van and a, a gas cooker and a foam mattress. You can start with 10K, I reckon, and then you're fine. And in terms of monthly expenses, what we are calculating with, we want to get away with about $2,000 a month. I don't know if that's going to be okay or not. It, again, is going to depend on where we are. Probably going to be more in Canada and the US. It's probably going to be less in Peru and Bolivia. Mm-hmm. So it averages out about two grand, I think, or less. But then what you also have to... Uh, and I don't want to sugarcoat this because this can get really expensive once you have uh, mechanical problems with your with your vehicle. So you have to find a local mechanic. Maybe you need to order parts. So if you start doing this, make sure you have a reliable car or a vehicle that can be repaired anywhere because it's a it's a fairly 
well-known brand like a Toyota is 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 a very good one for this or a Ford or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then that actually goes against what I'm doing now because I'm using a European truck that's not even available in North America. I think the the first Iveco dealership and um, Iveco is the brand that I'm driving. Uh, first dealership and uh, and service station is in Costa Rica. Okay, yeah. That I'm that I'm going to see. I'm definitely going to go in there for a big checkup and everything. Oh, nice. I think it's in San Jose. Yeah. San Jose, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that all makes sense. I think of like, um, you know, like any hobby, it, the recommendation with or with anything in life is is just try to get started. If it's a, if it's of interest to you, but like just try so. to get your yeah. foot in the door and do what you can and, you know, use the, the vehicle you're mm-hmm. using and get the equipment. And then, of course, like yeah. any good hobby, once you're into it and you're enthusiastic, you're going to, you know. Uh, once you know you're not going to like it. Then you spend yeah. money on it, but before that, exactly, not, yeah. Why? Why would you do it? The first big adventure that we've done with a couple of mates when we we attempted to drive from London to Mongolia, we bought the the truck on eBay. We just bought the truck on eBay for about four thousand pounds, and then we tried to drive it to Mongolia. It didn't happen. We could be broke down in Tajikistan next to the Afghanistan border, but it was a. It was we we still talk about it like it was in two thousand and fourteen. We mm-hmm. meet and we talk about that trip. It was such a good trip. All we needed was a buy now, pressing a buy now button on eBay and we bought the truck. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And even when you say things like um, getting the, you know, now that you're kind of getting into the the, the cool tools and, uh, you know, upgrading your, all of the, the equipment that you get, it's like another thing is, you know, if you do have one bad experience or if you want to avoid one bad experience, it's, you know, it's not... Last thing I even think about that on my moto, like the last thing you want is to be stranded somewhere and you know something breaks down. So it's not living a life like that. There's nothing Unless wrong. It's a with really it. good place. Or if, yeah, <laughs> that's a good perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so about okay, so yeah, I think it's a that's a great answer. Like you can get your foot in the door for a very reasonable price if you want to start living this life, and then you know two grand. Um, a month, I think sounds great. And I even think about the life that I live. And if you're on a moto or a motorbike, uh, I often talk about again, coming from a place like Canada, where, uh, which is especially Vancouver is quite expensive. Costa Rica is also quite expensive. But I do find that if you if you're cooking on your own, and you're grocery shopping, and you're not paying for accommodation, you're probably going to be leading a, a much, a much more inexpensive lifestyle than most people are typically living at home with paying, like when you think of paying your rent alone, you know, if you're in Vancouver, you're renting a one bedroom apartment for two grand a month, that alone is covering almost your whole life. So you could imagine if you're eating out three, four days a week. So not only is it's kind of cool when you think about to take on this incredible adventure, you're, you're potentially could be saving so much money. But again, it's not like you hop in this vehicle and it's your dream life every single day. It's, you know, you, it's different types of challenges, but ones that you are oh, kind of, every day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> People, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, I forget someone said it, like there's, there's a big difference between traveling and taking a holiday. You know, it's, uh, it's Oh yeah. It's a, a lot world. of people who live uh, this kind of uh, lifestyle for like full time. We, we've met a couple who, who've been living in a smallish truck, not even, they can't even stand up inside. They, it's like a it's a four by four vehicle. It's not really a van or anything. They've been living in it since 2003, and mm-hmm. they travel all around the world. And they say, and they fly home. They're from Holland. They fly home 
every year for about three, four weeks, and that's their holiday. They're not on, on a constant holiday. Their vacation is when they fly home to Holland. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that many times from other people as well. That's interesting. I've never thought, I've never heard of that where it's ba- actually backwards. That's very interesting. And that is how a lot of people should look at it where it's a lot, you know, but at the same time, it's those challenges and the adventure and not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow that makes us feel alive. And it makes us remember, you know, snaps us out of our comfort zone and brings us back into like this beautiful existence that we're all supposed to be experiencing as opposed to waking up, going through the routine, wondering why I'm depressed. You know, it's like, that's right. Yep. It's we're not robots and we need to be feeling and experiencing. So I have one more question and then I want to re- really get into some valuable information for the listeners. I could also geek out with you all day about this. The one question that, that comes to mind that I think about is uh, when you're traveling uh, in your experience, and I remember this in Australia living in the van is you would get to certain towns where it was, a, it would be a little bit frowned upon if you're like, like it, more so in Australia because the camper van culture was so extreme, but not just that it was a lot of 20 year old backpackers who were just getting wasted, parking wherever they wanted, throwing garbage and having parties. So I really understand why, you know, if I lived in Australia and Byron Bay and you're parking in front of my house, why I don't like it. But is there anything, any tips or suggestions, or has that even been a concern for you about finding where to sleep when you're traveling? Or do you know, like the rules like, is it like you, you're allowed to park wherever you want? Is there, is there an online community that says, Hey, if you go here, this is where you want to sleep or what does that look like? Yeah. Well, again, it depends on the country and we always look into the, the rules before we actually start. We call it wild camping or free camping when we, cause we, we, we tend not to try to look for those big camp places with the big RVs and and the usual cramped places, because the, the reason why we have a four by four and we with uh, the the reason why we ha- want to have a home on wheels is to to get away from the crowded places, and it's it's very very difficult in Europe because it's very crowded. You you really have to go to the corners of Europe or go to a high mountain, and then you you'll be fine. You can do it, uh, and there are still there will still be signs like don't camp here or don't camp there, which is. Uh, which is totally fine as well. Then we then we just don't do it. When we uh, a, a lot of the times we just go and have to look for a hotel. It's not a problem. However, one of the reasons why we chose to have a van this time because it's so much easier. We can essentially stealth camp uh, with with a rooftop tent. We had a problem even in in Asia or in Central Asia where it's you can you can really get away from from people and places and villages. But still, the fact that we had to actually open a, a tent on the vehicle, on the on the roof of the vehicle, it really stands out no matter where you are. It's like it um, attracts attention. So uh, occasionally we, we couldn't use it. We, we just tended not to use it in places where we didn't feel safe or we never got into any trouble. But where we thought, okay, this is actually too close to a village or this village probably they may not know what we're doing because we were in really remote places in, in Kazakhstan or Mongolia or places like that. It's not like you cannot do it, but we just don't want half of the village to turn up and then mm-hmm. ask what we are doing, which happened actually in Laos and in other places as well. And it always turned out to be a really good experience and a really funny uh, sort of uh, occasion where we had to explain to the villagers with Google Translator or with 
with our hands and gestures what we're doing. It always, we always had really good experience. However, I, I know that, for example, in Portugal, you really have to be careful where you park and where you camp because people because people overdone it, and it's a classic example of where the five percent ruins it for the rest. Like the ninety five percent would be behaving properly, but the five percent ruins it for everybody. Uh, and just exactly what you said, the five percent would party and leave garbage everywhere and and just not follow the rules or or not doing it in a humble way. And I think that's the key here. As as long as we don't disturb someone or we we don't uh, you know camp in some, some in front of someone's house, I think we are fine. Uh, but for example, we know that we cannot camp in uh, free camp in Austria or Switzerland, and we don't do it. Or uh, many places in Europe is like that. But in for example, in Finland and uh, Sweden, um, or or in Norway, uh, there's this, and even in Scotland, there's this right called the, the free roaming rights or something like that maybe not the right term but some but it, it comes it's like a historical right that people can roam through other people's land and people have to allow that and it just it spills over to camping as well apparently you can free camp anywhere you want as long as you don't disturb anyone and you don't damage anything and it's because it's it's a scarcely populated area compared to the rest of the Europe compared to the rest of the continent, you, it, it's it's a good fun to travel there and then camp anywhere you want. Uh, or it's probably the same for Southern Italy and the Balkans and everywhere else that is not Central Europe or Western Europe. Um, so again, it's not a simple answer. We always have to look for the local rules. And there are, because you ask where we can get this information. There's really good travel apps for that. One of them is called iOverlander. The other one is called Park for Night. And people can actually log places and and reviews and and using GPS coordinates, people can save places um, in the app saying, hey, behind this bush or behind this little hill, you can park here. You don't disturb anybody. We had a good night's sleep here. It's quiet. You have a little creek. You have a water source and, and all that kind of stuff. And then people can check in there saying, hey, yeah, I've stayed also here. And as described above, you can stay here. Or don't stay here. This spot is not allowed, blah, blah, blah. So it's a really good application. I overlander. I can, I can recommend it to people. And we're going to use it on our trip uh, through the Americas. Okay. Yeah, I think it, you know, it goes back to just traveling in general, where if you're respectful and you know you follow the rules and you're just not don't don't look for attention and these types of things you're probably yep. going to do all do all right in a lot of cases um it's it's so interesting to i wasn't expecting to have this conversation around this idea of overlanding because you know i've done it i've all, i've always been interested in traveling in a vehicle just from my experience in australia and of course i follow all those instagram accounts and of you know van life and people who deck out these really cool vans and they live in them and they travel but i never really knew i didn't really know of any any tangible way of finding out more about that world or that lifestyle but now that we know that it's there's this thing called overlanding i'm sure if you type that word in google it's like boom here's a hundred you know places and and the and the incredible thing about social media and things like facebook and facebook groups aside from all the negative things that we could talk about is these little communities where literally anything of interest to you you search for that group and 
just the helpfulness of those people in those groups are so incredible, especially when you're so passionate about something and you know the rules that I'm sure you're going to do just fine with the help from your fellow peers and adventurers that are doing the same thing. Um, it's, yeah. yeah, it's really interesting. I know tons of people who are envious of that van life, uh, lifestyle, but probably not really sure of, you know, it's a little risky if there isn't really any way or people that are doing it to find a, a strategy or a system to actually go by to do it. But, you know, this conversation could really be a gateway for a lot of people of, um, learning like a systematic approach to this lifestyle and how to property plan and strategize for it. And I think this is going to dive into what I want to ask you now. Um, there's a lot of value that I know the listeners get from these episodes when part of it is, okay, if I've, if I have the savings and I've prepared for this and I bought the vehicle, then boom, life is, life is incredible. And, and I'm going to, you know, probably a lot of people in that situation are interested in this type of lifestyle of trying overlanding. There's also a demographic of listeners who are listening to this who are saying, man, I'm ready to escape the matrix. I want to travel abroad. Uh, doing so in a vehicle would be a very cost-effective way to do so. But hey, Joe, I don't have all this money saved up and I'm barely getting by as it is. So I need to find a way to make an income. And one of the things that I had asked you, because part of the guests that I like to have on here, they're living their dream life. They've also found a way to support themselves and to make an income to live this lifestyle. Uh, you know, and this is kind of the difference of me talking to a 20-year-old backpacker who's not really thinking much about the future versus someone who's like, hey, I'm signing up for this. This is what I'm all about and we're going to do it right. And I still care about my future in these other areas, but there is a way we can do this. Now, you had mentioned uh, when we spoke that you make an income from a website that you built that essentially will cover cost of your travel. And not only that, because I do know a lot of web developers and I know people who do that for a living, but more interestingly, you mentioned that you're not technical at all. So I was kind of digging in and I was asking you about this. So the idea is that you've built this website. You're not a web developer, a technical person. No, I'm you've, actually a lawyer. By a lawyer. Okay. Studying a profession, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I, yeah, this website got nothing to do with law. <laughs> yeah, and you found a way to make an income with this website. Um, and you had found this interesting program that had helped you to do so. So I'm very interested in, in how you did it for yourself and also just trying to figure out a way that if someone's listening to this, that we can give them a reason so that next year when you're traveling through Costa Rica, you know, and you pass someone in a van, they're going to say, hey, man, you know, that that vehicle looks a lot like one that I heard this guy talk about in this podcast episode, you know, that really sparked the interest in me to live this life that I now live. So can you tell me about First of all, the website that you built and how it all works and, and that journey and, and also the platform you use and all that good stuff. Sure. So uh, my website is called overlandsite.com. That's S-I-T-E, overlandsite.com. And it's basically, it tries to be the, the information hub for overlanders or somebody who wants to start out and wants to learn about overlanding, what gear to use, what is overlanding, how to do stuff what to buy, what not to buy, things like that. And some inspirational articles as well. Uh, and next to that, I'm trying to build a, a YouTube channel as well. But that's just, it's, it's, it hasn't got many followers yet. A process. Uh, and yeah. Uh, but essentially, it's a website that I started from scratch. Uh, and I just wanted to, 
yeah, write about stuff I'm passionate about. Uh, by by the time I started this, I, I I was already doing this. I already learned a lot about this subject. And since I'm actually a lawyer, I used to work for investment companies and doing different legal projects and stuff, compliance stuff. So I have absolutely no, or I used to have absolutely no idea how to build a website. What is a website? What is hosting? And all the background technical stuff. I still don't particularly know the details. All I know is how to follow a, a good course, a good program online. And that's how I built it. I bought this uh, online course called uh, Authority Hacker. I, had curse, I think it's called the, the Authority Site System. That's what the course is called. It's on authorityhacker.com. I have no affiliation with them at all. All I'm saying is this is what I bought. I've heard about it. I heard about the fact that this course is good, online course. Uh, it's trustable. It's uh, is legit information, and I learned about online marketing, how to generate some income through a website that could be through just display ads or affiliate marketing. I learned all the terms and I learned the the, the know how basically, and I built the site using that course and that course alone because it's like somebody's holding your hand and telling you, okay, now click here, now click there. And now do this. And this is why you're doing this. And then this is the next step. And it's literally, if you've never heard of what a website is, you can still build a website with, with following this course. So this is how I built it. This is how I'm trying to improve it. Um, obviously, I learned a lot from this process. And of course, I know a lot more about websites by now. But still, I'm not technical. If there is an issue because something breaks on the site, I still don't know what to do. I just go on the relevant Facebook group or I Google it and then try to solve it, trying to find a step-by-step guide on how to fix, I don't know, a button breaks on the site or whatever it is. It's a WordPress site. It's, um, it's nothing fancy. It's just a, a general content site. Basically. I think too, uh, and not just building a website, but building a website that generates an income. That is such a powerful thing. Now, I don't want to take away the the value. It's funny because you had sent me the website. I had a look at it. I had no idea until you just mentioned that the website was actually to help other people who want to get into overlanding. What a great way to tie this conversation in because here, maybe, you know, probably my listeners in most cases know more than I do about a lot of stuff that I talk about. Uh, maybe they knew this was a thing, but someone like myself, not only am I learning that this is a way to travel and live, boom, here's also the website that's going to help you to, to answer probably a lot of your questions. So I think, you know, having having an idea of something that people are going to research, because I assume like, you know, if, if you're making income on the website through advertising or, you know, outside advertisers, you need a website that people are going to visit, which which means you need an idea that people want to research. And I think you've done a very special job at finding that thing. I think this is a very popular uh, thing that people are going to want to research and more so the way that the world is going. Um, but also, yeah, to have, uh, to, you know, being a web developer is intense. You got to know coding, you got to know, all, like if I want to make one small, I was emailing my web designer earlier today just to f- actually figure out how I can now get these podcast episodes on my website. Something that I that I feel like in 2022, I should be able to click a button and do it. But nope, it's this whole coding thing and it's this absolute nightmare. So the fact of, you know, taking that whole thing out of it, not only to build a website for yourself, but to generate an income with it, 
when you told me that this was a, a tool that you had used, I thought, man, what an incredible way for other people who, you know, of course it's, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. You don't just sign up to this thing and you pick any random idea and it's a guaranteed win. You got to have some oh, content no, prepared no. and yeah, yeah a good yeah. idea and the content and, and be consistent with posting and all of these things. But that is a major link in the chain that is supplied to you about not knowing how to do it and not, you know, I have successful websites from, uh, uh, I was a real realtor before I also kind of created my dream life and wanted to travel and work with people and help others. Um, and I had successful websites in that career that cost me 10 to 15 grand, you know, and then all your money is coming right. from I Google mean, ads. Yeah. Even if you're building it on your own, it still costs a lot of money. Even like, uh, it's a lot of, even if you write every single piece yourself, it's still a lot of opportunity cost that you could work for somebody else and, and you make guaranteed money. There's something, I might spend a whole week, uh, hours every day writing a piece that will never make money, uh, you know, on my side because it, it, it never gets, because then once you start to build a website, obviously you need to put it in front of people. And then the way to do that is to be on the first page of Google for a search term. And this is what I also had to learn through this process, what SEO is, search engine optimization. Uh, and it's a, it's a learning process because it changes every day, changes every week. And so there's no, it's not like I read a book about it and I know what it is. It just changes all the time and you're competing with other people, similar websites all the time. So it's not like you have five grand, you build a website on your own and then you're all set. It doesn't work like that. It's, uh, mm -hmm. You take some risks because you put money into it you might pay a designer or you might uh, you spend money because you you need to talk to some experts because you don't you can't possibly know everything around the subject so you ask them to write a, an article for you or you help or they help you with an article that that all costs money and then eventually if the whole picture is correct and you've done everything correctly then you may make money some people make a lot of money using the same method. Um, I'm, I'm making very little money, but it's enough to, to sort of travel on. Um, however, there's a lot of, if, if somebody doesn't want to, doesn't have six months or a year to build a site like this, there's a, tons of other way to, to make money online and make money during your travels. Just, you need a laptop. That's all you need. And also probably you need to obviously know something. You need to specialize in something and be really good at it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually have an article on how to make money on the road if you live a van life or overlanding lifestyle. Uh, so there's a piece on that as well. But it's just literally uh, probably the most uh, the, the the most popular or the easiest way is to to be a freelancer of some kind online. Be be a good mm -hmm. photo editor or video editor or or a, a writer, um, a podcast editor. Uh, there's a lot of ways to make money online and there are good freelance platforms platforms out there. You just need to sign up and just be good at it and over deliver all the time. And then you will get clients and then you will build a career online and then you can literally travel and live your dream life whenever you want. My point is you don't necessarily have to have savings. You can just make money while you're living your dream life already. Absolutely. And that's one of the great things about this pandemic of not being, you know, being able to work from home and making that transition. Well, as soon as people said, okay, oh, I don't have to be in the office. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't have to be home either in that case, because that really separated those worlds. And I think definitely right. with, with this podcast at the same time, uh, that's what I'm trying to do is, is 
give people different ideas. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I'm not a firm believer that maybe anyone should just do anything for an income. I think it's something that we're passionate about and something we enjoy doing. And if we can find a way to help others and give back, I think that's the real secret. Um, so for me, it's almost more so trying to put in front, um, 10 or 20 or 50 different ideas. And there will be a small listenership with each idea that says, you know what, that I'm really attracted to, actually, I do have a really good idea from a website and I've just been stuck on finding a web developer. So this podcast would be the perfect fit, but I have been talking with hundreds of people. Definitely. Like you say, um, freelancing is a very popular one, uh, writing content. There's about three or four that seem to be that, you know, most of the people that are reaching out are, but there's, and, you know, and then I come across someone like yourself, like, Hey, I'm doing it this way. And I figured this out. And it's like, wow, that's a really interesting way um, for someone to do it. Now, I know we touched on a few of them, but let's say there's someone listening to this podcast and right now they've already made the decision, man, this is what I want to do. I want to be a, you know, I'm going to buy a vehicle. I'm going to live this life. Not only that, I'm going to build a website the same way that this guy did. Uh, what advice would you share with them? Um, maybe things that you found that worked well or didn't work or, or any advice to that person who, to how to be successful as well? That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you don't once once you you live this lifestyle, you can the and you decide to build a website. You can use the concept. You don't necessarily have to write about your travels. It's it doesn't have to be the you know the next travel blog because there are millions out there. Uh, nobody wants to hear what you had for breakfast anymore when you travel. You know, it has to be mm-hmm. something niche, something specific, something that gives value. Uh, provides value to people. So, and there's a there's a lot of ways to think about this. Make it like somebody who wants to start building a website around a subject. It needs to be something they really know. So that could be you mentioned you've been a realtor. Somebody can build a website about how to be a good realtor, uh, how to give people advice, how to sell their houses quicker. You know, just basic advice like turn on the lights, uh, have flowers in the room, and things like that. There's a there's a lot of information you can provide. You'd be surprised uh, from your previous work experience, just uh, or what you know. You maybe you've you had a hobby for for the last five years, and you know a lot about model trains. Start a website about that, or you've been I don't know. You've been a good. Uh, you had a nice garden, and you it was just your hobby to maintain that garden. There's probably a lot of advice that you can give. And now nowadays you can either do it through a website or a YouTube channel or podcasting or there's a lot of ways. Where you can uh, where you can essentially do the same thing, provide information, and then find ways to monetize it. Make sure you obviously uh, think about the monetization in advance, if, unless you just want this project to be a, again another hobby project. But that's once once you can provide value, the 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 money generating generating part comes with it, I think. But you need to give it time. So this kind of concept takes about six months to a year to actually generate a dollar. So uh, it's a long-term project. There is no shortcut uh, into getting into the lifestyle that you want to have. If it's on the road, if it's if it's not on the road, but you want to live in a, in, a, in a nice cottage in Alaska or somewhere, it doesn't matter what it is. But if you want to change your current lifestyle into the dream style, dream lifestyle of yours, I don't think there is a shortcut. You need to work at it. You need to work for it, and it takes a, takes a while. I think. I f- yeah, and fully it takes agree. Courage and as well, 
courage and and as simple as it sounds having just a plan knowing where you want to go and just working towards it and knowing what the steps yeah. are as opposed to just expecting it or wanting it or taking the leap it's like i often say to people of course taking the leap is scary but if you're prepared for it it takes a lot of that away because it's that unknown that's so scary of course there's still going to be some risk but it can be a very educated risk if you really plan and strategize and do whatever the steps are for your unique situation um, we're going to have to wrap up here in a moment. I really wanted to touch on the idea of you being a lawyer. Cause even like myself, um, coming from real estate, I had a very successful career financially and I hit rock bottom at the most successful point in my life. Um, but I am noticing a trend of some people who have been in incredible professions who are, are now making this transition into, uh, into these lifestyles that seem a lot more adventurous and just a, adding a lot more life back into the to, to the experience. So we'll have to save that for another conversation. I would love to have you back. Maybe we do something in person when you get here to Costa Rica. Um, yeah, that that'd be amazing. Yeah, we'll we'll put it in the show notes. And if you want, uh, if you want to let people know, how can we get a hold of you or follow your journey? Uh, right. It's probably the, the day-to-day um, updates will be on Instagram, which is, again, the handle is Overland site. Uh, we will have periodic videos produced on our YouTube channel, which is also Overland site. And then more general advice and more information about overlanding uh, and from many angles, it's the website, overlandsite.com. And awesome. of course, if anybody sees us on the road, come and say hi. Absolutely. We'll traveling I, through North and South America. And I saw your Instagram. You got all kinds of cool vehicles. I was like, man, this guy is doing something pretty cool over here. So definitely give him a follow. Um, I'm going to be checking out that website. I would definitely love to learn more about it. I'll be following your adventure. We'll definitely be staying in touch. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I hope this sparks some flame or some spark or some encouragement to take the leap and create a similar incredible lifestyle that we're seeing here. Uh, If you have any ideas for the show or know anyone who's a good fit, as you know, feel free to reach out and that's it folks. We'll talk to you later. Peace. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the chosen ones. If you did, if you could leave me a five-star review, it would mean the world to me. I know life is busy, so I truly appreciate you taking the time. Please also feel free to subscribe and share. You can learn more about me at mastersoflifesociety.com, where you can also find The Chosen One's book and podcast, as well as on my YouTube channel, Masters of Life Society, where you can find the videos of these episodes as well as my social media shorts. And you can connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at Joseph Richard Powell. Thank you so much for your support. I love y'all.